Welcome, welcome, welcome into a Friday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the Morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, thanks for being with us. We finally made it Friday before Christmas. Here we are. If you're working today, one more day, grind through. We'll yeah, be there. And, and hopefully a lot of you have next week off like we do. Yes. So that you can relax. Are, are you going to your quote unquote day job next I week? I will. Yes. Okay. Tuesday through Friday. I will. Yep. But I'm sure it won't be very busy. No, well, actually, we have a we have a mini camp going on. We have regular training. It'll be a normal week for us, at least with kids in, maybe even more so. So, but but um, in the office, it won't in the be office a it should be week. pretty pretty low key for sure. All right, so uh, going to be an interesting show. <laughs> it will be <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Yeah, yeah. Last night, uh, unfortunately, I had to take my wife to the ER. She's okay. I had to get some tests run just to get something checked out that was concerning. It was. It was on the threshold of, do we go to the ER? Do we wait? So we just went, and I'm glad we went because it would have been, you know, well, I feel the same better. thing today later on yeah. So and, and getting it checked out. So I'm glad that we went. Um, but yeah, made for an interesting night. It's been about yes. five hours and at Lutheran. Which night. means almost no show prep, which, <laughs> which uh, Caleb does all that anyway. So... I watched some of IU show. and Purdue uh, on my yes. phone while uh, waiting. Did you? I watched some of Purdue. I mean, I was out of it last night, too. Uh, my brother from Colorado's in town, and we went out to uh, to Beer Barrel, which we did last year and had a lot of fun. So we went out there last night, and well, yesterday afternoon turned into last night. So uh, I was feeling pretty good last night, and uh, why I'm drinking water this morning to try to recoup. <laughs> Got to hydrate. Got to hydrate. But um, I saw some of... Of Purdue, barely saw any of Indiana. I'll be I'll be honest. And I saw a little of Purdue and saw a lot of Indiana. All right, so with our, with our powers combined, we should <laughs> yeah. be able to cover Purdue. Everything. I wasn't worried about because no, well, they're Purdue. They're the number one team in the country for a reason, and uh, I think that's what played out. We'll get to Purdue and IU a bit later on this hour. We'll get to headlines in a bit. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. The texters uh, help us carry this show. Like, yes. Help us get through through two hours. So all throughout the show today, we're, we're going to be doing this. Uh, what is your sports Christmas wish? So we'll ask for it basically throughout every same segment. But what is your sports Christmas wish? So uh, if you're a fan of a team or a certain league or whatever, uh, just text us at 46862, your sports Christmas wish that you want to come true, whether it's this year with the limited time left or next year uh, and let us know. Just put in CK before your message so that we know that it is for us. Also, don't forget you can stream us 1380thefan.com via the 1380thefan app or your smart speaker. And uh, yeah, there you go. All free. App free to download. I use the app uh, when I want to listen like at home or if I'm out of range of the signal. So that's how you can do it as well. We also have to revisit a conversation we had yesterday about our gift cards, a thoughtful Christmas Ooh, yeah. gift. Poll results, unbelievable. Poll results, it was heavy voting, and seven, almost 75% of people said yes, thoughtful, our gift cards are a thoughtful Christmas gift. So, impressive. The people have spoken. So, go out, load up on your 
gift cards today. I also, today, will see the uh, end of my not having to buy a single gift this holiday season today. I have to stop by Chops later for a gift, a gift card. card. <laughs> Ironically, a gift, a gift card. Yes, a gift card or gift certificate for my in-laws. So my streak will come to an end later today. I knew it would. Yeah, it's, I was playing with fire. It just was not realistic for you to continue in... I bragged about it too much, and yeah. now it's, it's not it going to happen. Comes comes back to bite you. That's how that works. It does. So, unless I can give somebody my money and send them in so I can avoid that, yes, I will be purchasing a gift today. Yeah. Um, all right. So, what do we got um, in headlines? What's going on? Headlines. So, let's start in Thursday night football, and the Rams... Held off the Saints 30 to 22. Not, I mean, I didn't catch much of this game. It was not really an exciting game to me on paper. But of note, Kyron Williams, former Notre Dame running back, ran for 104 and a touchdown. Also ran for over a thousand yards on the season. And this this blew my mind. He is the first Rams running back to run for over a thousand yards in a season since Todd Gurley in 2018. It's pretty amazing. I mean, they've had trouble finding a a solid running back to carry the load for the Rams for the better part of, of five years or so. This game was, I mean, the Rams scored 30. They very well could have scored 50. They were three of six in the red zone, and they just dominated this game. Matt Stafford throws for 328 yards and two touchdowns. You mentioned Kyron Williams, 104 yards and a score. Puka Nakua, I, I think, um, if he's not, if he was an offensive rookie of the year, the favorite going into yesterday, he is now. Nine receptions, 164 yards, and a score, and the Rams are at 8-7, and seven, putting themselves in good position with two games left to try to make a push for the playoffs. I'll be honest, I kind of gave up on the Rams about halfway through the season. I never really thought they were going to do anything. I mean, Stafford was kind of in and out. They had Cooper Cup in and out, Puka Nakua in and out of the lineup. It just... Well, after but here they, they are. Yeah, after their bye, they've won 5 of 6. Their only loss, an overtime loss to Baltimore on the road in Week 14... And have looked pretty good in being able to put up points the last five weeks, 37, 36, 31, 28, and now 30 points. The Rams have found something. We'll see if they can continue. Uh, They have the Giants on the road and then San Francisco on the road to end the regular season. Sitting at 8-7, and we'll see if the Rams can get in. It's a team playing really good football right now, especially offensively. Elsewhere in baseball, uh, Japanese pitcher, Yashinobu Yamamoto uh, signed with the Dodgers 12 years, $325 million for the 25-year-old ace joining Shohei Otani in L.A., uh, of course. Uh, I mean, the Dodgers have spent over a billion dollars on those two players. Pretty wild. And it sounds like because you had the Dodgers, Yankees, and Mets as kind of separating themselves as the favorites for Yamamoto, and the fact that the Dodgers have Shohei Otani Sounded like a big impact for Yamamoto to join the Dodgers. So just a just a a crazy crazy offseason for the Dodgers. I'll be interested to see how much of of that three hundred twenty five million dollars over twelve years is deferred, much like what the Dodgers did with Shohei Otani. So his his deal has uh, a fifty million dollar signing bonus, and I there's no deferred. Uh, money in the deal from what I've read and it is the largest contract in MLB history ever given to a pitcher edging out Garrett Cole 
324 million dollar deal with the Yankees. Now, that's kind of uh kind of misleading, right? Because Otani is also a pitcher, but he's also a designated hitter. Like <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say pure pitcher, I guess. Yeah, yeah not, that would be probably the more guy. accurate phrasing. But the details from Andy Martino about Yamamoto, the Mets offered 325 million, same as the Dodgers. The Yankees offered only 300 million. <laughs> and in the end, Yamamoto goes with Shohei Otani with the Dodgers. Uh, seven years in the uh, Japan's Nippon Professional Baseball League, in eight and seven seasons, compiled a 1.72 ERA and a 4.5 strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, he can deal, kind of older, but he could absolutely deal. Now Yamamoto is a member of the LA Dodgers. Yeah, uh, Dodgers willing to spend the money. We'll see, though, if it pays off, because all the talk about the money in the contracts, right, and salary cap, how many World Series titles have the Dodgers won in this era? One, One. and it was in 2020. Yeah, so now they, they're, they're very much trying to buy themselves another World Series, and you can do that. In Major League Baseball with no salary cap. Yeah, I I, I don't like it. That's where baseball's at, and there's no rule against it. I do think it is a thing that's held baseball back for quite some time. But at the same time, the players would apparently revolt if they went to a salary cap. Yes, I mean, it's almost the cat's out of the bag in terms of the, the exorbitant salaries being thrown around and the players do benefit from that and you try to put that back in a box then yes the players would revolt but man it's just it's so tough to be a small market team and consistently compete you can build a team to compete for a couple years it's it's very difficult to be a perennial contender as a small market team in major league baseball with no salary cap in college football, Florida State yesterday called a special board meeting. It'll take place at 10 a.m. today, a board of trustees meeting. No official reason was given for the meeting, but of course, I think we all know it's expected they'll discuss their long-term athletics future in the ACC after they were left out of the college football playoff, becoming the first undefeated Power 5 left out of the CFP. Um the earliest scheduled board meeting previously was the end of January. So there have been rumors of this and then nothing really came about. And then boom, suddenly here we are. So that special board meeting, which you can watch if you want. Fun. Yeah. Uh, 10 a.m. today. Obviously, they're going to try to challenge the grant of rights, which the ACC has through 2036. It's just been an absolute boondoggle for that league. And they're going to try to get out of it. But if they do... Obviously, there are several options, and we'll see what becomes of this meeting and the fallout after that. Well, two things on this. What, what conference would be interested in Florida State? SEC? Probably. And then you would think they wouldn't take just one of them. No. They'd take Clemson as well. So Clemson would have to follow, and I don't, there's talk about North Carolina. I don't know, but this isn't good. I, I don't blame Florida State necessarily because part of the reason why I think – I. I will I will say I think part of the reason why they didn't make the college football playoff is because they played in the ACC in terms of competitiveness even though the ACC was better than it has been most years I think if an undefeated Florida State in the SEC does not get left out I will say that but it's perfect timing I think Florida State to have that discussion after but not like, making the playoff is this excessive just because we're having expansion next year it 
look, Florida State, and then you go back to the BCS era and Auburn, they got the short end of the stick. That's the reality. Right, but this this didn't start with missing the playoff either. Florida State's been talking about this True. for a while. So I think this is a, 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 a timing-wise interesting, but I, I, maybe the urgency has gotten bigger since what happened. And it's weird. It, like you, you break down the numbers, they're going to pay upwards of $150 million potentially to go to a, a, a league that they're only going to get a third of that per year. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Well, and remember, like uh, there was talk of them selling to a private equity, right? <laughs> which, good luck with that. Yeah, we'll just, just uh, raid the university for parts, essentially. Did you see this out of uh, Central Florida too? Or talking headlines, UCF they used a divisive game day tradition to raise twenty seven thousand dollars for their NIL collective. So apparently, UCF for the last couple of years has played the. Uh, song can't take my eyes off you by frankie valley at the Uh beginning of the fourth quarter because nothing says college football like frankie valley apparently (laughs) and so it started in 2021 it was divisive some people liked it the the fans would sing along other people probably like what the hell is this song playing in terms of trying to energize a, a college football crowd but the collective decided to put it to a vote you could click a button to quote donate to keep the song or quote donate to retire the song and they used that to not only raise money, but also decide whether to keep the song or not. Uh, get rid of it. One uh, got the most votes, but either way you voted, you you donated it into their collective. Weird song choice. I, I don't know. I know. I, just, I don't get it. I'm sure there's a story on why. It's just kind of odd. Like what college students are begging to play some Frankie Valley at? At football games, kind of weird, but it is now gone because uh, it was decided based on the voting that the song will no longer be played at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Bummer. Maybe they're going to play some <laughs> Buddy Holly or something. I don't know. <laughs> Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a banger band that really gets you excited yeah. about twenty twenty three college football. Uh, from college football to NBA last night and. The Pistons, fans chanting sell the team as the losing skid hits 25 straight. Um, Again, my favorite stat is the Michigan State Spartans have won as many games at Little Caesars Arena this season as the Pistons have. Um, So the record uh, is shared by the 2010-2011 Cleveland Cavaliers and the 2013-2014 Philadelphia 76ers at 26. Now, the overall mark is at... 28, but that was across multiple seasons. Yeah, that was uh, the 76ers Philly. in the 14-15 and then 15-16 season, crossing over 28 straight. So Pistons on the on the verge of making history. Unfortunately, it's the wrong, wrong side. And this history. quote, uh, we're not 2-26 and 26 bad. No way are we that bad. We may be 3-25 bad, but not 2-26 <laughs> and 26 bad. But yeah, it's just, it's been a, a disappointing year and we'll see if history can be made coming up for the Pistons, at least tying. And then, look, you know, uh, the 76ers, a decade ago, is trust the process, right? Well, that that's paid off at least they're a contender. Yeah, they haven't won, but at least they've been a contender for several years now. The Cavs had that terrible season. They were able to draft Kyrie Irving. Then a couple years later, they get LeBron back. So there's perhaps optimism on the on the horizon. 
There is, yes, I guess. Now, this was interesting as I looked up these stats. Not only are the Detroit Pistons their longest uh, franchise losing streak and two away from the record, or one away, I guess, from the record of consecutive games, they also hold currently the longest playoff losing streak in NBA history. Oh. They have lost 14 straight games dating back to 2008 in the playoffs. Wow. Yeah. So... Sell the team doesn't sound too uh, too bad right now. The Pistons uh, making all sorts of, of bad history over the last decade or so, or decade plus now. 14 straight games, NBA record, they have lost in the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Pacers in action last night. John ja Morant back, and the Grizzlies continue their winning ways. Desmond Bain had 31 Morant with 20s. The Pacers fall to the Grizzlies on the road, 116-103. Low-scoring game. Yeah. The association last night. Uh, Obi Toppin leads the Pacers in scoring last night with 22. Didn't see that coming. No. Again, for the Pacers, unfortunately, they're going to have to find a way to go on another run because they've been very streaky this year. Yeah. They had that really good stretch during in-season tournament play. And since then, it's been quite bad. They at least got a win over uh, the Hornets. Uh Two nights ago, so it also was a back-to-back. But the Pacers play the Magic tomorrow. Uh, I know they play the day after Christmas. We'll have that game here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Uh, and the big one coming up against the Bucks on January 1st, which we'll also carry that game. So a uh, couple big matchups for the Pacers coming up on the horizon. Meanwhile, here in Fort Wayne, the Comets on the road last night. They fall 4-2 to two to the Iowa Heartlanders in that game. So the K's... Uh, trying to get things rolling, a bit of a break uh, for them uh, with the the Christmas break, but uh, we'll we'll see if the comments can get it back rolling again, like they were last weekend with a sweep. Yeah, a tough loss last night for the K's. They're up two to one. Matt Wedman scored his team leading twelfth goal midway through the second, but Iowa answered, scoring the final three goals of the game to put the K's down four to two. So uh, a tough loss, but. The K's had a successful weekend last week at home against Utah, so they were able to really make up some ground in the standings. But as we start the day today, K's still in second place in the Central, uh, tied with Iowa now at 27 points and eight behind the Toledo Walleye. Three games in three days against Iowa, so they'll play again tonight and tomorrow night, uh, 9.05 puck drop. Uh, for both of those, and hopefully the Comets can rebound and get some wins before a few days off. There's an interesting stat, um, and this is from Adam Schefter talking about the NFL, because we talked about Puka Nakua's big game uh-huh. last night, uh, over 160 yards. In 2012, Calvin Johnson set the NFL single-season record with 1,964 receiving yards. His quarterback, Matt Stafford. Yeah. Two years ago, Cooper Cup had the second most receiving yards in a single season, 1,947. His quarterback, Matt Stafford. Puka Nakua now needs just 147 yards in his final two games to set the record for most receiving yards by a rookie in NFL history. His quarterback, Matt Stafford. It's fascinating because Matthew Stafford is always thought of a guy who's really good but not Hall of Fame worthy. Yes. But when you think about it that way, well, I get people who say, well, he's got great receivers, right? But... I mean, it takes a good quarterback to to bring the best out of players, and I think with Puka Nakua is maybe perhaps the best example here of that. 
I agree, and and I think Matt Stafford at least is a guy that has thrived in today's NFL, and 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 maybe a guy that that often gets overlooked and finally won a Super Bowl uh, with the Rams, but just kind of when you spend your majority of your career in anonymity in Detroit when they're terrible, people kind of just lump you in as bad, just like the Lions are most of the time, but. The fact that he was able to escape Detroit while they were still terrible and go out and win a Super Bowl and continue to perform, I think, has elevated his his identity within the NFL and with fans. And um, hopefully, I mean, if he has a couple more years in him of, of throwing for a lot of yards, he has a shot at the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer right now. But if he continues to produce for a couple more years, the, I think the, he is. The problem is there are several quarterbacks on that tier of very good, like a Phillip Rivers, uh, Matthew Stafford. I feel like there's one other name I'm forgetting, like Matt Ryan, for example. Uh, all are in that category where they're not Hall of Famers, Just, but they're really good players. They were really good. And I think, too, um, here's an interesting stat. For, for, for the make the case for Matt Stafford, um, He's the fastest quarterback ever to reach 20,000 career regular season passing yards. Fastest to 30,000. Fastest to 40,000. Fastest to 50,000. Surpassing Tom Brady. Um, he's, he's, and then you look at what he's done in all-time passing yards. 13th in passing yards. 11th in completions. 12th in passing uh, touchdowns. Um, but against him, just one Pro Bowl selection... Zero all pro selections. Yeah, see, and that's that's where you lose me. And then two seasons, only two seasons above a 100 passer rating. Like quarterback play has changed significantly in the last 15, 20 years. And the easiest way to tell if someone is Hall of Fame material is if they have multiple all pro selections. I, I think that's more indicative than stats because stats yes. generationally, of course, change. So hitting 30 home runs... 40 years ago means a little bit different than hitting 30 home runs in 2023, for example. Throwing for 5,000 yards in a season means, of, of course, tremendously different than even 30 years ago in the NFL when you, you threw for over 2,000 yards. You were amazing, right? So I, I can't... Stats don't tell the entire story. So I you can't come at me in any sport we're talking about Hall of Famers when they're like, they're, they're this and this stat and this and this stat because... It's generational, right? You can't really judge everything across the entire spectrum, but I agree with you. In terms of all pros, especially, Pro Bowl is kind of weak because you have guys opting out, and you have, of course, players that are playing in the Super Bowl now aren't in it. So if you go to a Pro Bowl, it it means one thing, but being an all-pro is much, much more. And zero all-pros is is a pretty big indicator that, no, Matt Stafford's not a Hall of Famer. Text rolling in at 46862. CK, I would take Stafford all day over several current quarterbacks and definitely over Rivers, Ryan, and Romo for sure. Which again, all those guys fall under that, that hall of very good. Yes. That cut line where they're below the Hall of Fame. Now, his two seasons above a 100 passer rating. That is a stat, though, that you can look at because it's um, it, it the, the formula kind of looks at a bunch of different things, mm-hmm. right? Not necessarily yards, all that stuff. So he's fewer, so two seasons above 100 passer rating, fewer than Tony Romo and Kirk Cousins. He's tied with Carson Palmer, Alex Smith, Ryan Tannehill, and Derek Carr. Yeah, that's, it's not like guys who are starting quarterbacks and have had lengthy careers, but not Hall of Fame caliber guys. And that's perfectly fine. 
but he's a dude that can sling it all over the field and get some big stats with his receivers, which uh, the stat I read earlier, pretty, pretty fascinating with Calvin Johnson, Cooper Cup, and now Puka Nakua closing in on the record for most receiving yards by a rookie in NFL history. Good news for the Colts. Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman Jr., both full participants in practice yesterday for Indianapolis as they travel to Atlanta on Sunday to take on the Falcons. Michael Pittman Jr. also cleared for full contact. So these are good signs. This makes me believe they're going to play barring a last-minute setback on Sunday, which I think is huge for the Colts in this game. Thursday is usually that key day on whether you're active or inactive for practice. So all indications are those guys will be back. So that's a look at headlines this morning. Also a couple texts rolling in. Uh, Christmas wish. Send us your sports Christmas wish. have a couple of them. Uh, first one, CK, my sports Christmas wish is the Bears fire Luke Getze pronto. Sure, that's probably yours too, right, Justin? Uh, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> up there. We'll see who gets fired and doesn't get fired at the end of the season uh, for the Bears. Uh, you can make a case that Matt Eberflus gets another year, but uh, I don't think Luke Getze is getting another year at all. So is Luke Getze gone? Is Getze and Eberflus gone? Is Getze, Eberflus, and Fields gone? Is Getze and Fields gone? Who knows what the Bears will do, but Getze is part of every single one of those options. Uh, another one, appreciate you guys. Always enjoy listening. My Christmas wish is another boiler sweep uh, for the Hoosiers and a sweet 16 run, not asking for much. Wink, wink. Yeah, we'll see about the the boilers. If well, no, no, no. They're that. asking for IU to sweep Purdue. Oh! Yeah. I, I, I saw boiler sweep and for the Hoosiers and a sweet 16 run. So we'll see. That's a lot to ask for the Hoosiers. Like you said, we'll see. See if they can do it. What's more likely? A, the IU beats Purdue twice, or they get to the Sweet 16? Oof. <laughs> or neither. Neither. <laughs> I mean, not, yeah, but if I had to bet money on which I one's more pick, likely? I would say the Sweet 16 run. I would say so, too, despite the success that Mike Woodson has had against Purdue. I can't. IU had a much better team last year. Much I better. I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah. 46862, your text line, 46862. Speaking of IU and Purdue, Purdue rolls, they drop 100. Meanwhile, IU does something that they haven't done, well, since the last time they played North Alabama. That's next here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. One of the all-time Christmas songs. Andy Williams bringing it this morning. Yeah. All Christmas, all the time. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Yes. We're, We're all in. That's why we're asking for your sports Christmas wishes on the text line, sending them to us, 46862. We'll hopefully carry the show today. We have uh, several more entries. So uh, this one, CK, I would like to finally see a Purdue national title run. Yeah. Well, that's been the talk since losing last year and Virginia doing it the year after they lost to a 16 seed. Can the Purdue Boilermakers make it happen? We won't know. About three more months. At least Purdue is checked the boxes of, you know, the metrics and the so far, as far as week six, AP top top 12 ranked, uh, the net top five on December 50, all these stupid like things that over time have played out for 20 plus years or whatever. Uh, obviously, the, the key thing going into the tournament, are they adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency, you know, top top 20 in Ken Palm? Because that's really the key thing right down the stretch. And I think they will be. I, I'm not that worried about that stat. In what we saw at Miles Colvin last night, 
Yes. NBA level guard. Uh, we'll get to that in a bit, but hey, good sign. A couple other sports Christmas wishes. Uh, CK, my sports wish is that the Dons finally make their long-awaited tourney debut. And that's kind of... That that's the that's the the one thing that needs checked off. That's why I mean, as good as the start for the Dons has been, eleven and one before that loss to Pitt. For me, I look at it and say we, we've seen this before. We've seen really good Dons teams over the course of the regular season win the regular season championship and be a one seed in the conference tournament and just have not been able to get over that hump and win the conference tournament and get to the big dance. And, and and that to me is I've I've been through this enough with the Dons over the years, and even as a fan, as a student, and as a fan, is going. I've already seen this. Like it, it, it's it's not going to move the needle for me until that happens. It's it's almost like the same thing with Purdue. Is okay. It's great. Let's see it in March. Yes, uh, obviously different expectations for the yeah. team, but it's the same philosophy for me. Is Okay, great. You're beating this team and that team, and you're doing this. And I mean, kudos to John Kaufman and and the the program for sure. But I'm like, I've seen this. I've seen how this ends. Okay, and it ends in not meeting the expectations set by a team, whether it's preseason or during uh, over the course of the season, building that excitement. My, that's my thing. I was like, go out and win the conference tournament, and then you have my attention. And I think there was one other. Yes. Uh- one other Christmas wish, uh, CK, my Christmas wish to hear, I bet on Russian ping pong on the opening Merry Christmas, fellas. Now, if this is the same guy that I met on uh, at our OPS Rec League on Saturday, he talked to me. He 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 admitted he's the guy that reminds us about, I bet on <laughs> Russian ping pong. I don't, like, we can't ever find the original. That's can, the sad yeah, part. Uh, where uh, the archive doesn't go back that far. Unfortunately, but. Well, but the podcast does. That's true, but we would I, still have to pinpoint. Yeah, and I have no idea what what day or time if somebody wants to put in that word yeah, and tell yeah. us then we'll grab it but we will um, absolutely pull i have i have met the that person that continues to remind us about Rus- my russian ping pong obsession during every the pandemic show podcast to my knowledge is is posted like there, there there may have been like a day or two but like we're not really missing you know so it should be do you remember when you said that roughly was it this year was it last year Oh man, I don't even remember. I think it was earlier this year. I want to say. Yeah. Um, but uh, if anybody can find it, send it to us. The original. I bet on Russian ping pong. Good luck. Yes. Maybe there's <laughs> multiple. If that's not the person I met, then maybe there's multiple people clamoring for it. I'm not sure. But uh, if someone wants to go through the archives, which if 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 it's on one of the podcast shows that we well, posted, it's which on is. There. Most shows, I there might be a couple that have been missed, but most shows. Would you have free. put it in the explanation for the show? No, I don't think you so don't think because it was like it was like a, a side comment that right, right. <laughs> like I didn't know if it was a, you know Justin admits to no, something. Oh, I don't, I don't dastardly <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, if somebody wants to do the research and find that clip, send it to us. Uh, someone else, CK, my sports wish is Caleb and Kenny add a third hour to their program. Um, probably not going to happen. Well, because there's two things. We can't go up against Dan Patrick. Yeah, that's not and, happening. We have to get off at 9 a.m. Or we have to get I, up early. But yeah, and I don't think we want to get up at 5 a.m. No, um, not at all. So, and two hours is a good, it's a good, it's, it's a good, perfect, perfect time. Because people that are, that don't like, it, it's like, these guys are still on. 
<laughs> so yeah, two hours seems perfect. Uh, four six eight six two. Keep your Christmas sports wishes coming again to four six eight six two. Just put in CK before your message, and we will get to that through throughout the course of the show this morning. Indiana and Purdue in action last night. Purdue first, and IU second. Why do you and, always do Purdue first? Well, because they played first. Okay. Well, we're already talking about texting. <laughs> Texters will come in. Why do you always talk about IU basketball first? Why do you always talk about Purdue first? It's fair. They played earlier. Last yeah. Night. Purdue played earlier and they had the the ho-hum 100-point outing. Uh, first 100-point outing in two years. So the Boilers take care of business. Not that anyone was really concerned on this one, right? I mean, I wasn't nah. concerned they were going to blow out Jacksonville. When they went 100-57. to 57. You, you got to see a bunch of people play. Uh, leading the way, Zach Eady at 18 and 8. Lance Jones had 16, including a, a awesome swipe for a dunk. Uh, 11 for Miles Colvin. I think that's maybe more the talking point. He hit two threes, four of eight from the field. And then you get Wilberg, Mason Gillis with eight apiece. Um, 15 for Trey Kaufman Rain. That that's again. If TKR gets going, the season's over. I don't see Purdue getting stopped by anyone. Yeah, it was a big night for Lance Jones, Trey Kaufman, Red. I mean, consider the the competition with Jacksonville. So, uh, I look at this. I, it's weird because you look at Lance Jones, Trey Kaufman, Red combining for 31 points and Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith combining for 8 points. And you have Miles Coven off the bench with 11. So, to me, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of stats that I have to factor in and say, well, they played Jacksonville. Because, what was it, 12 guys scored, something like that, last night, at least 2 points. So... I just I couldn't take too much out of last night for the Boilermakers. Had it on when we were uh, yeah twelve. You were correct. Eat, you know, twelve guys scoring. Yeah, so I don't know. It's just uh, it just proves once again that Purdue isn't in the business of letting inferior opponents hang around and and threaten them, uh, unlike Indiana. But last night the Hoosiers didn't do that. Last no. Night. But something interesting too before we move on to Purdue or to Indiana and Purdue, they are ranked in the top five. They have been ranked in the top five for 23 consecutive weeks. That is the longest active streak. The next highest, next best, is Kansas with at 12 weeks. Wow. So Purdue has been ranked in the top five for 23 consecutive weeks, dating back to last season. It's been an impressive run, and I guess ultimately it will be helped in history if Purdue can break through this year and get to at least a Final Four. They've also won... 34 consecutive regular season non-conference games. And it's not like they're playing bumps. I mean, they are playing some bumps, but they are mixing in some really competitive teams, some good teams that they've been able to beat. But that streak now at 34 after the, what was it? Uh, 43 point win yeah. last night. Drubbing is yeah. the word I would use. A drubbing. That's a good word. A drubbing in West Lafayette last night. Uh, meanwhile, Indiana in action as well at assembly hall, taking on North Alabama. And for the Hoosiers, it was a three-point barrage. Don't hear that very often. Yeah. As Indiana hits 12 threes, I I think the biggest thing from what I caught of this game is that for Indiana, they came out and it was the second game in just a couple nights. They got off to a quick start. Yeah, there were defensive lapses. But it was just nice to see them take care of an opponent that they should take care of. It's not something we've really seen happen at all this season. Well, especially after Moorhead State, particularly. Um, I thought the Hoosiers looked, looked 
pretty decent, but similar to what I said at Purdue, you got to consider the competition with North Alabama. Uh, it was encouraging, I think, for Anthony Walker to have another big game. He uh, has been really big for them lately after a very slow start to the year. I, I look at him and could he be, could he work his way into the starting lineup potentially? I I know you're not taking Renew and Baco and Ware out, but it's like, I don't know. Like He's been so good of late and uh, played over 20 minutes last night, 11 points, three, ra- three rebounds, three assists in 21 minutes, did not turn the ball over. Uh, he's been he's been very good off the bench for sure, but uh, Hoosiers making pretty much like four games worth of threes last night, <laughs> yeah. shooting fifty percent from range. I think it was a a a frustrated team and a locked in team, something we didn't see against Moorhead State. And while that's nice, it goes with the territory of Indiana playing up and down and no consistency. And what we saw last night should have been what we saw against Moorhead State and and against this, that, and the other team. And we don't. So maybe that's the most frustrating thing watching Indiana is the way they played yesterday. Why don't they play like that all the time? That would yes. be my thing. Yeah. Well, and for IU, the last time IU hit more than 11 threes in a game was uh, December of 2020 against, go figure, North Alabama. Ah. So... They tend to feast against North Alabama. Mm. Yeah, so that's that's where they're at. But Indiana, a much-needed bounce-back performance after the Moorhead State performance, and I think it just comes down to, will Xavier Johnson be healthy? Will he not be? Interesting comments by Mike Woodson uh, on that that were mentioned on the broadcast, and we'll talk about that in hour number two of the show. Coming up next... I think if you look real quick about Indiana is... If they shot 53% from the floor, they shot 50% from three, made 12 threes. If they shoot like that the majority of the time, they're going to win a lot of basketball games. The problem is they don't. So that's why like people say, well, can this IU team build off what happened last night no. in shooting? No, because that's not who they are. And and I guess that's the, last night was more of an outlier than anything. So it, I, I, it's hard for me to find any type of encouragement for Indiana coming out of last night because that's just not how Indiana is consistently. Coming up next, uh, one of the candidates that we had in mind for the Notre Dame offensive coordinator job has emerged as a candidate for the Irish. Will they be able to pull this off? We'll debate that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on the Friday before Christmas. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, thanks for being with us. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line today. Just put in CK before your message. And we're uh, taking your entries for your sports Christmas wish, whether that's for the rest of this year or for next year. Let us know the text line by texting to 46862. Again, just put CK before your message. A couple other Christmas wishes. Uh, someone else, uh, my wish is Miami Dolphins and Purdue basketball both winning at all. Possible. Yeah. It's not like saying the Bears and the Hoosiers are going to win their championships, <laughs> yeah. both True. winning at all. Uh, someone else, uh, my sports wish is that Justin finally reveals if he is a Purdue homer or IU homer. <laughs> we love to keep everyone guessing. Yes. It depends on the day, I think, and what people think. It depends on what mood you're in. Yeah, very true. <laughs> what mood other people are in to say whether yeah. Yeah. I'm a homer of one side or the other. Yes. So like keep, keep everyone guessing. Yes. Keep those rolling in at 46862. 
Uh, one thing we will make clear is we are Reds homers on this show, and I think that if we you are. listened over the summer, you're aware. Yes. <laughs> so we are that. But beyond that, we'll tr- we'll try to keep you guessing. Other than that, well, yes, we'll we'll, uh, we'll definitely keep you guessing. Hint: If we're critical, usually we're more critical of the teams we like. Yeah, that's kind of where I go. Same. I'm kind of like that coach that treats his kid the worst, just Ugh. so people don't think. Yeah, he's getting treated favoritism. better. Yep. Correct. It's kind of what I do. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Uh, and uh, speaking of coaches and hiring, firing, Notre Dame obviously searching for a new offensive coordinator as Jared Parker, the offensive coordinator and tight ends coach, went on to be named the head coach of Troy earlier this week. We mentioned one of these candidates as the home run hire. Well, good news if you're a Notre Dame fan, LSU offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock has emerged as a candidate as the next Notre Dame OC, according to reports. So this is interesting because I think I have a lot of questions. He's been at Notre Dame before a couple of times, 2002 to 2004, and then what, 2010 to 2016. Uh, He's been with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame and at Grand Valley State going way back. Um, And then he's also been with Kelly at LSU the last handful of seasons as well. But, he also was with Marcus Freeman during a crossover time in Cincinnati. So he's familiar with both coaches. Well, he I mean, interestingly, before his stop at LSU, he had coached with Marcus Freeman more real more recently than Brian Kelly. Correct. Like he had for, left Notre for Dame. Four seasons. Yes. So per uh the Athletic and Pete Sampson and Bruce Feldman of the Athletic. Mike Denbrock has, quote, legitimate interest in returning to Notre Dame. And that was my, my two big caveats with Mike Denbrock. One of them being, is Denbrock even interested? Or is he locked in at LSU and, and, and won't leave Brian Kelly in the SEC? Well, that's the first hurdle that seems to have been cleared is, yes, Mike Denbrock does have interest in going back to South Bend. Now, you just got to spend the money. Well, and, and someone texts in an interesting point that, is it's kind of confusing to me. So the the texter at 46862, LSU won't let Denbrock walk. He's already got a deal. They're just waiting for the board to approve it so he can sign it. So he was offered an extension uh, to be paid, what, $2 million a year as the LSU OC. Again, when you have the top offense in the country and produce a, a Heisman candidate and Heisman winner, it's going to help, help you get a raise. Um, but... Over two weeks after being close, close that's the report I'm seeing on an LSU site, to a three-year extension at LSU. Again, he's shown strong in- interest in the Notre Dame OC position. He was the finalist for the Broyles Award this year. And it hasn't been reported or released by LSU if Denbrock actually signed the extension. Correct. So he's been offered. It was... Uh, set to pay him $1.5 million plus incentives in 2024. That was the previous deal. This is a three-year extension. And the other thing, so highest paid OCs in the country, Clemson's Garrett Riley and Washington's Ryan Grubb, approximately $2 million annually. So A&M pursued Denbrock. He said no. And Elko and Denbrock would have crossed over at Notre Dame, right? So... Um, there's the familiarity aspect there. But what I find odd is that this is a guy who's 59 years old 
and hasn't been a head coach. Why why are you going after OC jobs when I think you could very well be a head coach of a program? That's the thing that it's confusing to me. Is Mike Dembrock maybe feel that his sweet spot is being a coordinator? Perhaps, or perhaps he doesn't have a desire to be. Yes, I I think there's a lot of people, uh, Tom Allen, that are much better as coordinators than head coaches. And a lot of them don't want to admit that or really have to go through being a head coach and getting fired and all that to realize it. Maybe Mike Dembrock is just happy being a coordinator. Look, sees all the stress, stress that... Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman have to go through and be like, nah, that's not for me. I just want to be chill and, and, and run an offense. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility, but it's also not out of the realm of possibility that he's just using this Notre Dame opportunity as leverage if that extension has not yet been signed, which is unclear whether he signed it. It's been two weeks since LSU offered that extension to Mike Dembrock, and it's unclear whether he has signed it or not. Is he using Notre Dame as leverage to get more money? Is he legitimately interested in Notre Dame? Does he want to see what the offer is from Notre Dame to then counter and come back and say, this is what they're going to pay me, LSU, you better match it? All interesting. The fact that he is interested in it, though, tells me that he has some feeling about going back to Notre Dame, but is it strictly posturing to try to get more money from LSU? And that's the part that remains to be seen. And I think the other aspect that is in his favor, beyond just the familiarity with Marcus Freeman, is that Marcus Freeman pointed out how important tight ends coaching experience is. And obviously, Denbrock has plenty of experience coaching Notre Dame tight ends for a couple seasons uh, when he started at Notre Dame. And then he did that at Cincinnati, along with being the OC for several years as well. So... He checks those boxes and, and even is the tight ends coach at LSU. So I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I would be, it will be fascinating to watch how this plays out because you read the headline and you're like, wow, man, Mike Dembrock, he's, he's interested. Well, is he interested because he's, he's using that position to up his salary at LSU? I don't know. Um, if I'm LSU, I'm paying Mike Dembrock as one of the top offensive coordinators in college football. If I'm Notre Dame, I'm doing the same. But does he have more of an affinity for the Midwest? Midwestern guy, born in Michigan, spent a lot of time at Indiana State, Notre Dame, and Cincinnati, and got his first uh, coaching job at Illinois State uh, after being a grad assistant at Grand Valley and Michigan State. I mean, is this a guy that just has a, a lot of ties to the Midwest and would like to go back? Or... Is he looking at this as an opportunity to then say, hey, see, LSU, I am wanted, and I there's programs out there that will pay me a lot of money, and you better pay me more. Dan Brock is from Homer, Michigan, which is a town I've driven through many times really? to visit uh, my wife's family. So, I, I mean, that is, I don't know, hour, hour and a half from Notre Dame. So, again, if you want to move closer to home and, and retire in that area, I mean, it's very possible that that's the plan. We'll, we'll see how this plays out, but... It's just fascinating that we have the lack of clarity on the LSU contract. Yes. We and the longer that goes that on, the more you think he's leaving. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, well, uh, uh, do you think like this gets wrapped up before Christmas, like in the next couple of days? Or do you think this, this goes into the new year? 
I know I, Notre Dame said they're going to do their due diligence, blah, blah, blah. But if Mike Dembrock says, yeah, I want to come, like you wrap yeah, this up pretty early. Yeah, you wrap it up right away. Um, I don't know. I just... I feel like the longer it goes, the less likely it is he goes to Notre Dame. Yeah, everyone's already making jokes. I think Notre Dame has a home hockey game coming up next Friday. <laughs> Marcus Freeman, that's the mistaken. kiss of death. You don't want to do that. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the the playing joke, but... I'd be surprised, or not next Friday, maybe it's next Saturday, because it's like a day after the Notre Dame bowl game. Okay. So either way, I'd be surprised if it's wrapped up before the bowl game. You'll be surprised if it happens Just before? Just because, I mean, there, nothing's going to get done No, but, you know, after today, tomorrow. But I think uh, those things I feel like work pretty quick. It's either Mike Dembrock is going to be interested and the money's going to be there to go to Notre Dame, or he's interested, but he's using it to get a raise. I I just think this is a pressing issue for both programs, for both LSU and Notre Dame. Notre Dame wants to have their new offensive coordinator in place as soon as possible, and Brian Kelly and LSU, if they have to go out and hire an offensive coordinator, they want to ensure that they have the maximum amount of time to do that. So I, I think this is wrapped up sooner or later. Maybe not before Christmas, but I think before Notre Dame's bowl game. 46862, your text line number 46862. Again, continue to send us your Christmas sports wishes on the text line. Just put in CK before your message coming up on the other side. The NFL doing something different for Bills Chargers coming up tomorrow night in a stream only game. We'll explain that and if it will be something the NFL goes to more in the future. Next here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two here on a Friday, final Friday before Christmas. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Hopefully uh, our listeners out there will enjoy some much-needed time off for several days. We'll be off until January 2nd after the show today. So We'll be back the day after New Year's, yeah. just ready to tackle 2024. Uh, that's no? a bit bold because <laughs> I'll probably have stayed up late for the college football playoff games. That's and true. If the second game is competitive, we'll want to keep staying up for that. That's I very know myself. True. <laughs> I don't want to miss those. I know me. What's the second game? Is the second game Alabama-Michigan or the first uh, game? That's the first game, I believe, because oh, that man. is the so Rose Bowl. The, so the better game, in my opinion, is the later game. Yeah, well, they do that intentionally. So, yeah, Texas-Washington, 845 in the Sugar Bowl. Huh. The kickoff. Whew. Yeah. So if I can make it to halftime, great. Yes. If I can make it to third quarter, even better. <laughs> Let's just hope the game's a blowout so that I go to bed and don't stay up for the entire thing. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But regardless, we'll be ready to talk about that yes. more when we come back on January 2nd. Absolutely. And ready to talk about your sports Christmas wish today. Uh, kind of open text line on that topic all day. Again, your sports Christmas wish uh, just text in at 46862. Just put in CK before your message. Uh, we've had several entries. Hopefully get several more this hour. Also, don't forget, you can always stream us, 1380thefan.com, on the free 1380thefan app. You can download or on your smart speaker. I won't say the name of smart speakers because apparently that shuts <laughs> off, as we learned yesterday. That shuts off the uh, the stream for your smart speaker. So I, I won't do that. Justin might, but I won't. Yeah. Oh, we, 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 we found out that uh, through one specific speaker on the Fritz. Yeah. We'll, we'll steer clear of that. So we actually have another entry on 
uh, sports Christmas wish. Uh, CK, my Christmas wish, 10 Gaps winning another Midwest League title, and San Diego wins a World Series. Hmm. We'll you're, see. You're shooting for the stars there. Especially with the Padres. Yeah. Their, their window closed, and you saw the Dodgers with their two signings with Otani and Yamamoto. That's going to make it very tough. But hey, it's what, what, the, what the, this morning's all about. Christmas wishes. It yeah. doesn't have to be realistic wishes. If somebody texts in about IU make it, getting to the Final Four, I'll <laughs> chuckle. See? But it's your wish. It can be yeah. whatever you want. Yeah, whatever you want it to be. Absolutely. All right, so the NFL trying something new. So again, game on Peacock. Everyone get upset. But Bill's Chargers will be on Peacock. It will make NFL history with the first commercial-free fourth quarter, at least on the TV broadcast. We'll have the game broadcast here on the radio, and starting at 745, roughly coverage for that. There will be commercials in the fourth quarter, so just be straight up. But with the the TV streaming, I guess it's not really a broadcast because it's a stream. Ah. Anyway, no, no commercials in the fourth quarter. Very nice. I, I don't know. Do you like this? I mean, because here's the thing. They're they're just going to have like, they're still going to have the breaks. It'll just be different just, elements built in. Will it be but, send it back to the studio? Will it be? No. No. They, they reduced standard NFL ad time by 40% an additional 12 minutes of game related content. Hmm. Whatever that means. Um, I mean, I, I guess in football, it's not, I've never, Said there's too many commercials, I guess. I don't know. It's just the the natural stoppages of the game help out the commercial breaks. But, okay, I guess we'll see see what happens. I mean, I think we hear about this a lot with our podcast and talking about commercial-free broadcasts for auto racing and how there's never really a break, I guess, other than you know caution flags, but even then you have pit stops and all that stuff. So when you watch Formula One... On ESPN, there's no commercials. And that has kind of spoiled everybody because they say, whether it's NASCAR fans or IndyCar fans, well, why do we have to watch commercials? Because you do miss things during commercials of auto racing. But are you really missing anything during commercial? Because there's nothing going on during stoppages of play during commercials. You're not missing anything. That's true. It's different in racing, unless it's a, a caution and even then, you still could be missing something. That's what I'm saying. Something. Even then, you, could, you still miss stuff. People are doing pit stops or whatever. So, I guess it's it's nice to say, but I mean, is that really a, a issue when, in the NFL? Is too many commercials, too many play stoppages? I don't know. I've never kind of never thought about it. But I mean, when it was touchdown, commercial break, extra point, commercial break, kickoff, commercial break, that was too do much. Do they do that, though? They do commercials well, was, between touchdowns and extra points? I don't think so. Uh, on occasion. And maybe that was more college that was doing that. But maybe if you did like, okay, uh, end of quarter, commercial break, Touchdown, extra point, commercial break, kickoff, commercial break. Sure, I can see that. They used to do, if I'm not mistaken, it used to be touchdown, extra point, commercial, kickoff, commercial. Right. They got rid of that you a couple years that, ago. Yes. Thankfully, because that was just brutal. I did think that was that was tough. But um, there's, there's instances too, and I was watching the Bears Cleveland last week, and there were a lot of punts. And so they were getting their breaks in early. And then they started getting into a thing where there was no real stoppage between possessions. They would just keep it there and next week, blah, blah, blah. And then the possession would start. So I think you have your X amount of breaks you have to get in over the course of the game, 
which is similar to every other sport and TV and radio. I, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess, um, so there's no commercials, but I have to hear. This is the thing. Okay, just because there's no commercial doesn't mean there's anything going on. You may just have analysis or you may yeah, send so it to the studio or they, coming up next. Like, it's not really, you're you're still not missing anything, I guess. They, they broke down uh, kind of how they're going to use some of these 12 minutes. So two minutes and 20 seconds, we'll dig into game storylines. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Another two minutes and 20 seconds will be used by Football Night and America Studio Crew. Makes yep. sense. Um, discuss the game, preview the remaining Week 16 games, obviously games on Sunday, three scheduled for Christmas Day. Uh, if you live in Buffalo or Los Angeles, you'll be able to watch the game on your local NBC affiliate. Also makes sense. This is a pretty standard operating procedure. Yep. Like the Amazon Prime games are shown in the local markets, correct? Yes. I but, believe so. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, there are no commercials, but they're still taking the breaks on the field. Yeah. So really doesn't change anything. It's just like fill by the broadcast. I, I don't know. Right. I, I, I don't know. I guess it's something you can tout, but were people really the stream playoff game is a bigger deal to me <laughs> because that is going to make a lot of people upset, which yeah, will but, also be on Peacock. But I've kind of, and I don't know if I'm just not listening or paying attention. Just seems like less and less people are complaining about. Oh, because it, it, we're not there yet. No, but I think IU and Purdue have had big games, especially Purdue, big games on Peacock only, basketball and football. I just didn't hear the complaints about it that you did even a couple years ago. I think more people are just adapting or just accepting it and not complaining. But I'm sure there's people out there still complaining. It just doesn't seem as deafening as it used to be. No, no. And I think part of it is... Streaming is clearly a younger audience, and so those are the people that are more likely to be on social media. So maybe Very that's true. why there are that's less complaints. Point. Yeah, I would agree. 46862, your text line number 46862, another Christmas wish. CK, my Christmas wish list is for the Colts to make the playoffs and win at least one playoff game, and for Anthony Richardson to be back fully healthy next year for the Colts to go on an absolute tear. We'll see. I mean, the Colts are right now... A playoff team. They can get in, potentially win a game. We'll see what happens. So keep those Christmas wishes coming, 46862. Absolutely. Coming up on the other side, Mike Woodson with yet another update on Xavier Johnson. I'm starting to have thoughts that this is going to go the same as last year. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. We have a song in our house that we sing for, for the dog on this. Yes, you've said that about yeah. b- before. It's a pretty embarrassing thing. But, you know, everyone has their weird sayings or songs. They make up with their dog's name, right? That's yes. a thing, right? I'm yeah. not, I'm not yeah, crazy. Yeah, oh, we have sayings for sure. Our dog's name is Mavis. I, I would have brought her in today, but after just the stress of last night getting back home late, I was like, eh, probably yeah. not. But today would have been the perfect day to do that. I agree. You're working, uh, but she also would not have wanted to, to get up early. Like you have to, <laughs> you have to get her outside, you know. And she doesn't wake up. She used to wake up. Yeah, when I woke up, and then after about a month, she's like, "Oh, this is stupid." Yeah, this is dumb. I'm not <laughs> so up. she she doesn't do it. Stay to sleep. Um, this is funny because this happened on uh, the station just down the hall yesterday morning, and I saw a text come in for Tim and Kylie uh-huh. on K105 earlier today talking about this. Is so they do Kylie covers country or not Kylie covers country. She does the uh, can't be Kylie. Yes. Where it's five general knowledge questions. They have people call in and her, her record is insane in beating people. 
But one of the questions yesterday morning was, what is Merry Christmas in Spanish? And the one yeah. that was on the line <laughs> said, Hanukkah. <laughs> and I was like, what? Wait, what? And I had to poke my head in when I got here in the morning. And said, did she really say Hanukkah? And they were laughing like, yeah, she did. They're like, what? <laughs> you know, I, if I see her in the hallway before everyone leaves, which I think their show's on till 10, uh, I'll, maybe I should wish her a... Yeah, you've happy ate. Feliz Navidad. Happy Happy Spanish Christmas or yes. Hanukkah, as they say <laughs> out there. Uh, it was pretty funny. So, oh. man, uh, I, I know you can get nervous and stuff on the radio for sure, but uh, that was a big miss by the caller. Swing and a miss. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line on this show. 46862. Just put in CK before your message. Still accepting your sports Christmas wishes. Throughout the show, again, 46862. That's how you can send them to us. Just put in CK before your message. If you have a a wish for your favorite team, let us know on the text line for the upcoming year, and uh, we'll get to that throughout the course of the show this morning. We're trying to fill the show because you were busy with your wife in the ER, and I was drinking too much last night. (laughs) And so between us, we have no show prep. Ah, we... we uh, in I my think head, we have direction, directions. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can, I can navigate. I, you know, Abby's like, oh, you should have brought the laptop, and I'm like, I'll, it's kind of more important to yeah, be with like, you and, make and sure I get it. You're just on. sitting there, like you're sitting in chairs most of the time. Yeah, it's brutal. Like, hardly any of it was actually being in a like a room, but I'm like, you know what? I'll figure it out. Like it'll be fine. Yes. Um, I'm not. Th- I'm not that worried about. We'll that. be all right. We know enough. And the good news is she's okay. We just had to get some tests. It was a back and forth. Like, do we go? Do we not go? It's like, well, we should probably go. And I'm glad we yeah. went when we did because if we went later, we would have been there till yeah. midnight or later. Longer. And if we waited till today, then it would have sucked up the entire afternoon and evening. Probably. It's better to you know. And, and just mentally knowing that everything's all right. It's yeah. nice. Um, before we get to Mike Woodson, yeah. we talk about the ongoing battle in Florida between the pythons and humans. <laughs> and this is a story that came out yesterday that um, a cyclist around Shark Valley area of Everglades National Park uh, was riding and stopped to see that a gator about a 10 or 11 foot gator was in the process of eating a python. So wow. Pretty that's impressive what we by need. the gators. Yeah. That's what yes. we need is the alligators to eat the pythons. That's yes. the only way There's, this will end well for the gators for Florida. So it's not overrun by these pythons. So the, uh, wi- uh, a, a win for the gators in the ongoing battle, the gators, Versus snakes. There's pictures too. Look it up. It's pretty cool. Um, says uh, surveys. It says uh, Burmese pythons, native of course to Southeast Asia, introduced with the exotic pet trade, taking over. But the gators still, still the king of the swamp down in the Everglades. Four six eight six two. Again, you can send us your sports Christmas wishes. You know, I don't. I don't even know what my sports Christmas wish is. I haven't really. Uh, much thought into it as far as what what it would be yeah i don't know there are just too many things i mean i think i would say probably the top of the list would be purdue getting to a final four that's your christmas list probably 
Yeah. Um, I, you and I would, would doing our Indy car podcast. I'm sure yeah, a lot oh, of us, yeah, are a, lot of a lot stuff. of racing stuff. Yeah, for sure. But as um, far as for this show, I, I would say that in the non-racing category, it would probably be for Purdue to do something in March. Well, I think it's, and it's what we root for, I think is what I root for in, in journalism too. You root for stories. Yes. You root for stuff to talk about positive or negative. Sometimes negative is better. So if we're doing Christmas wishes, I just, it'd be a general, uh, things happen regionally that are uh, hot discussion topics for this show. Just give me something. I don't care if teams are winning, they're losing, whatever. Give us something that is good content and gets the listeners engaged and texting in and all that stuff. That's what I hope for. It's it's the Darren Ravel, I feel bad for our country, but this is tremendous content. <laughs> tweet yes, in definitely. real life. If, uh, if you're aware. If you know, if you, you know. know. You know. Yes. Uh, I think the tweet has since been deleted, unfortunately. So what did uh, Mike Woodson have to say? The yeah. latest on Xavier Johnson. Speaking the of latest non-answer. Tremendous content. So on the broadcast last night on Big Ten Network, Corey Provis, who did play-by-play, had a note on Xavier Johnson. Provis uh, said, during shoot-around today, Mike Woodson said, hey, when am I going to see you play? When am I going to see you play? And Johnson said to Wood- Woodson, he's thinking about a week. And Woodson replied, yeah, you've been saying that for a month. <laughs> that is not lend a lot of confidence because this has been the same thing that's been going on, you know, like last year where it just, the, the timeline kept getting pushed back further and further. And eventually they said, yeah, he's out for the season. Um, at least last year they had uh, a guy who developed into a near lottery pick at point guard. Yeah. Cups. Yeah. He had five points last night, but we're talking a, a non big 10 opponent. And yes, he got through a couple big 10 games earlier in the season, but does he last? Does he hit a freshman wall? I thought it was notable. You saw Anthony Leal play a few more minutes last night. Uh, he hit a couple buckets. He needs to be a contributor, at least defensively, and and he's at least in position defensively when he's on the court. Right. But they may need more minutes from him if this is going to trend that way. I, I find it weird. Like, wouldn't Mike Woodson be talking to the training staff? about Xavier Johnson? Like, wouldn't he already have an idea from his training staff about where he's at in his recovery? Is he just finding out through Xavier Johnson? What is... Oh, man, I mean, they were also is? probably just joking around. Pro- yeah, true. Uh, just kind of weird, but... Um, like, do, do you feel more confident because the boot was taken off? Like, I mean, that gave me confidence, but then this comment is, you know, is, is it just joking around with the player, or... Is it Woodson like, ah, you've been saying that for a while, you know? Yeah, it's like, good when, when, natured ribbing, but yeah. with a bit of truth behind it, yes. you know? I don't know. It's very tough to figure out, but it, I don't think we see Xavier Johnson anytime before, well, they only have, do they have only have one more game? One more game. There, there's no way he's back for that game next week. I want to say, what is it, Marist coming up next Friday night? Like, there's no way he is back for that. Now, would he be back? for the game against Nebraska January 3rd, it still feels unlikely. Yeah. But if you can get him back at least sometime that week, you'd feel pretty good about things moving forward. If not, then I think you start pressing the panic button. I would say so. I I think you really want to try to get him back, but you can't rush it either. And if it sounds like he's basically week to week, sounds like, and he's been week to week for a while. Yeah. Who knows when the week is that he he'll at least actually return. Has shifted from being 
out to questionable on the last two injury reports. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, text coming in. Mike Woodson probably doesn't even know how a training staff works. He seems lost most of the time. <laughs> uh, also, another Christmas wish. My wish, taking it one step at a time, is for Purdue to win in the round of 64. Baby <laughs> There steps. you go. There you go. <laughs> Something Start they couldn't small. do last year. Maybe a wish that, that could be granted. You would hope. Uh, Indiana Purdue. and Purdue both rolled last night. IU hit 12 threes. Uh, who would have guessed IU would go 12 of 24 from three? Include it, It's not just that they went 12 of 24 from three in the game. It's that Malik Renew went four for four. It's <laughs> an amazing amount of 25 for Renew, seven rebounds. Uh, Khalil Ware had his first game not in double figures this season, just eight points for him. But Renew, we, we already knew he had really good footwork in the post, right? right? I mean, that's been evident since he came in as a freshman, but he's really starting to turn into a, a really good player. The guy that maybe we thought Indiana would have last year, he's showing flashes this year. Well, he was a guy that coming into this season was, you kind of got lost in the transfers in of Mbako and, and Khalil Ware, but he was the dude that had to up his game because I don't know if the expectations were too lofty for him last year, but you could say he didn't meet those expectations. And now in year two, you're seeing that potential come out. And it's been crucial to Indiana. As much as we've maligned them and not being a tournament team right now, it has been crucial for their season so far that Malik Renew has, uh, has put it together. But uh, as we sit right now with bracketology and looking at, uh, do you still look at six teams in the Big Ten? Seven making the tournament. So projecting it out, Purdue, obviously, Wisconsin, Illinois. Uh, Northwestern has that terrible loss, but they have the win over Purdue. I think that's enough to cancel that loss right. out. Um, and then Ohio State. I still think Michigan State makes it, even though they're 0-2 in the Big Ten. I, I think them getting that win over Baylor will be huge for them later yeah. on. And I think in a week Big Ten, I think they will roll through. Um, I think they'll be good enough. And then Indiana feels like that first team on the outside looking in. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think you look at it and, and looking at the projections right now, at least the ESPN projections, Purdue is in, um, they have Ohio state in, they have, let's see, Illinois in, they have, Indiana, that's the one that was an AQ, that they were going to win the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> IU yeah. in as an AQ, winning the tournament. Good luck. Uh, Wisconsin in, and that's it, I think. Maybe I missed one. But it's seven they have right now. Michigan State? No. They, they have Michigan, uh, Michigan State, State out. out. They um, what about Northwestern? Uh, let's see, Northwestern. Yes. Yes, Northwestern's in. As a nine. Right yeah, now. I mean, it, to me, there, it feels like there are six teams that are for sure. And, and again, it's hilarious to talk about this now because it's still in December. But well, I think it's 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 relevant because you talk about the teams that have work to do in the Big Ten. Season. Yes. Indiana feels like one of those teams. Michigan State is one of those. Teams. Yes. Um, there are a lot of teams that uh, like Maryland, Penn State. Uh, Minnesota. Yeah, they're they have. Records of 500 or above now, but I, I'd be shocked. Uh, along with Michigan, I'd be shocked if they make the NCAA tournament. They'd have to really turn around their seasons. 
And I think you're not helped as much this year in the Big Ten. Iowa as, as well. Years. I don't know if I said Iowa. They can't play any defense. So I, I just don't see that working in their favor. And they're already off to an 0 2 start in the Big Ten. But I just don't think the Big Ten can help you as much as it does most times, most years, because it's not as deep this year. It's very much a one tier team at the top with Purdue. There's, there's decent team. Illinois is decent. Wisconsin's decent. Uh, Michigan State should be decent. But. By and large, it's not a deep league. And so you look at the performance of some of these teams in the non-conference, and that's going to be of paramount importance. We talked about Indiana earlier this week, about how important the non-conference was for Indiana and how they didn't take advantage of opportunities. But looking at it in terms of, of current wins in the Big Ten over currently ranked top 25 teams, okay, there is only two teams that have multiple wins over current top 25 squads. One is Purdue, obviously, 4-0. What's the other one? With multiple wins over multiple top 25 in the Big over, Ten? Oh, they're in the Big Ten. Multiple wins over top 25 opponents so far this year. The one's Purdue. <sighs> Illinois beat FAU, but I think that's it. Uh, Michigan State only beat Baylor. Is it Northwestern? It is Northwestern is one and zero. It okay, is Wisconsin. Wisconsin, okay, two and two. They knocked off Virginia, and did they beat Marquette too? Oh yeah, that's right. Yes. Uh, so that's their two. So that's the only two teams. So teams did not take advantage of the non-conference. Indiana zero and two. Michigan State one and three. So Iowa zero and two multiple losses to top 25 teams in the non-conference. And then you get into the league and you look at 12 and eight as being kind of that magic number. You have to go 12 and eight. Well, Indiana absolutely has to go, has 12, to and go eight 12 and eight because their non-conference is a zero as we talked Wisconsin, about earlier this week. Wisconsin has greater uh, wiggle room because they have a couple big wins in the non-conference. A couple of texts rolling in at four, six, eight, six, two. IU is going to make the tourney and kick the Mike Woodson can down the road, peak IU basketball. Here's the thing. Uh, Mike Woodson was never in danger this year in year three. It's year four, to me, that is make or break. This was the year, though, you felt like, okay, it's more of his guys, right, on the floor, and what can he build together? And he had to do a lot of work in the portal because they lost a lot of guys. Uh, and, and what will he do? So I, I think IU's been hurt by the fact that Jalen hood Shafino turned out to be as good as he was. I think Woodson probably expected one more year with him. Right. And just imagine how much that transforms this team. Um, but at the same time, he got a bonus with Xavier Johnson yeah, coming back. And true. Didn't think that was going to happen. Just like he got a bonus with Trace coming back both years. Right. So I, I think this is the year that kind of sets up whether Woodson will probably fail or have success moving forward. And right now it's, it, it's not trending positively, but there's still the Big Ten schedule, right? And in a down year for the Big Ten, maybe that is where IU can can make some hay. And they're off to a good start at 2-0 in the league. Another person with optimism at 46862. CK, IU will make the tourney. Mark my words, they're the fourth or fifth best team in the Big Ten. Not great, but they will make it as a nine seed. Well, I, I mean, again, Purdue and then a big drop. Then you have Illinois. Wisconsin, I guess Northwestern, and then after that, it's it's up for Ohio debate. Ohio State, I guess Ohio State. I mean, Indiana could play their way into that four or five spot. 
I, I think you look at, at how Indiana's Big Ten schedule in January lays out, and the first four games, I think, are crucial because then you have a meat grinder after that. You go Ohio or you have at Nebraska, at home against Ohio State, at Rutgers, uh-oh, and then at home against Minnesota. I think if you're Indiana, if you're looking at what they need to do in the in the in the conference this year to have a shot to make the tournament 12 and 8, is you have to win three of those four games. Because after that, you go Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois, consecutive games, two of those three on the road. So three of four in that first little four-game bubble, and then you weather the storm in mid-January with the Boilermakers and Badgers and Illini, and then see what happens after that. But I think you still have to stock up those wins early, and IU has an opportunity because you get Ohio State at home. You go out to Nebraska. That's a winnable game out there. Rutgers, they're going to lose that game. And then you get Minnesota at home. Minnesota's not very good. You have to try to steal one of those two games on the road and then defend your home court. You got to go three and one those first four. I'm still not ready to give up on Michigan State. That Baylor win pulled me back in as far as Michigan State running through the league and and actually being the contender that people thought they'd be at, at the start of the preseason. And other than, I mean, the James Madison loss was a bad loss. James Madison, though, has turned out to be really good. Are they top 25 right yeah. now? Yeah. So let's say their losses are to a ranked James Madison team, a ranked Duke team, a arguably uh, one of the top three teams in the country in Arizona, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, at Nebraska. At Nebraska, eh. it's I not mean, a it's good. It's a road game of the Big Ten. Yeah, it's a road game of the Big Ten. You kind of throw it out. And again, they have the win over Butler, which is looking better and better. It didn't look impressive at the time, but it's looking more impressive now. And that blowout win over a top ten ranked Baylor. They get Indiana State. After yeah, Christmas coming on the up 30th uh, next Saturday, that should be an intriguing game for sure. But if there's anybody that can turn it on, if I'm a homer for anybody in college basketball, it's Tom Izzo. Yeah. Is Michigan State can turn it on? But um, I, I you I they have work to do. They're after a good start, two and zero, but they have work to do. And people will center on that IU. Here's the thing: there could be, there could be a lot of people are going to center with IU and look at the big games on the on the Big Ten schedule. I don't think it comes down to those big games. I'm talking about winning games over Minnesota and Nebraska and Iowa and Penn State. That's going to be the difference, in my opinion, between Indiana making the dance or not. Yes, because Iowa is a penchant for playing to the level of their competition. They they got up for Kansas, but yet they, they've struggled with teams like Harvard this year and with Wright State and Warhead Army. State. Florida Gulf Coast. You mentioned Moorhead State. Um, yeah, they didn't get up for <laughs> Auburn, that's for sure. Uh, no, or UConn. I don't even think they got out of bed for Auburn. Yeah, either of those. But, I, I mean, Maryland, they took care of business. North Alabama, they took care of business. Um, that Those are more the results than they need to have against, as you mentioned, Maryland, Nebraska, Minnesota, Penn State, Iowa. Those are the teams you got to beat to be an NCAA tournament team. 46862, your text line number. 46862. Uh, also, keep sending in your Christmas wishes. Another one to get to. Uh, my wish is for Mike Tomlin to get his Diva wide receiver group under control and figure out what is wrong with their offense. Hmm. Oh, what's wrong is you have Mitchell you have Trubisky. No quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> you have Mitchell Trubisky yeah, right Ma- now. Mason, Ru- Mason Rudolph, actually, this week. Oh, so he's officially getting the nod. Oh, yeah. And Jamar Chase over. out for the Bengals. So that could be a hmm. battle of very, very, Low-scoring offenses. 
Yeah, you look at, uh, at Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, and uh, is Allen Robinson still on the Steelers? Uh, I think their most reliable receiver has been Pat Fryermuth, the tight end, all season long. But it, it doesn't help when you have bum quarterbacks um, behind center. You can make a debate for Kenny Pickett, but Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky, ooh, a good quarterback solves a lot of problems and hides a lot of issues. Someone else with their sports wish, Adam Central, to finally win their second football state championship. Well, they got to move up to 2A next year to do it, and with them will be Lutheran moving up, the team that beat them three consecutive times in the state championship. Has that ever happened before, by the way? The same two teams meet three straight years? I don't think so. In a I would have to look, and and but I don't think it is. Uh, I'd have to just look at the list and see. But they do benefit Adam Central by Bishop Lewers getting bumped up to 3A. So they won't have to deal with the Knights. But Adam Central, I know a lot of people, oh, finally they, they lose Trevor Curry and, and guys like that, Keegan Bloom. I, Adam Central just reloads, man. And, and they got a lot. Uh, that defense especially had a lot of underclassmen playing this year. So they should be just as good next year, provided they have somebody that can step in at quarterback. And I think they do uh, with Jamison Roach. 46862. Again, you can send your sports Christmas wishes. Just put in CK before your message. Coming up on the other side, grading new hires. A couple interesting moves involving uh, the state of Indiana and college football coaches. We'll get to that next. Caleb McKinney in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Accepting your sports Christmas wishes on the text line at 46862. Again, the text line number 46862. Just put in CK before your message. So uh, someone texted in, Lures in Evansville, modern day. Met multiple times in a row back in the early 2000s. It was just two times in a row, right? We back looked to back, up. Yeah, back-to-back seasons in the state championship game, 2000-2001. And modern day won in 2000 in the state championship. And the Lures Knights won in 2001 state championship over Evansville amount of days. So just two. I mean, there's multiple instances of two. I just can't find one with three. Uh, meanwhile, uh, another sports Christmas wish. CK, I wish the Jets would be less of a national embarrassment. They don't have to be great or even good, just less dramatically <laughs> awful. Well, that's what you get for getting Aaron Rodgers. Uh, well, it's been, I think, a, a joke for a while. That's for sure. But, but you, both you and I have opinions of Aaron Rodgers that are not yeah. too favorable. So no. I, I think the Jets... Um, I think they've been surpassed this year. I think the Bears for the last several years have been that, but I think the Carolina Panthers this year have been the embarrassment of the And, and the worst part about Carolina is like they, they gave up on their coach. They traded away any offensive like skill position player and yet expected to not be as bad. I, I don't Remember, un- they were decent last year. They I finished the year really strong. Don't understand how... You, what the expectations were for that roster for this year. Yeah. Like, what did you expect Frank Reich to do? I, I, I think what I think is Frank Reich does not get fired. And this is an interesting thing. Was it in terms of who decided to take Bryce Young? Okay. Is you I don't see, think it was Frank Reich. Well, that's what I'm saying. So he, but he takes the blame because I think part of the reason why he got fired was because CJ Stroud is doing what he's doing in Houston. And there's a TBD for Anthony Richardson, but Bryce Young has not been good. And Frank Reich was the fall guy. It, it, it's unfortunate for Frank Reich. But 
I don't understand what ownership thought what, what their did team they, was, was going to be <laughs> yeah. this year. Terrible. I mean, winning two or three games was, I think, the most you would have expected out of that roster. Another wish, CK. Michigan finally brings the Big Ten another national championship in football. They got to get past Alabama to have a shot to do that. I, You know what? Uh, in the short term, my wish is just for the SEC to not win another national title. I'm just, I'm so tired of it. You're tired of the SEC. And not because I'm like some big 10 Homer. Like, yeah, I grew up watching big 10 teams. It, it's just, it'd be nice. And I think the 12 team playoff will help with that. Uh, I think so. I, I think the talent has been so centralized with about four teams for a decade. And that's finally started to shift. Thankfully, well, I know some people are, are, you know, why, why does the SEC get preferential treatment or everybody talks about the SEC? Well, they win because they win. They win national championships. When that starts drying up, then people will talk about them less. But you look at at recently, it's been four straight. And so you go. LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Georgia, the last four years, you had Clemson in 2018. But before that, it was Alabama and then Clemson before that. Uh, yes. The Clemson won in 16 and 18, right? Yes. And then you had Alabama <laughs> in 15. Then you had Ohio State. And then you had, in the final year of the BCS, you had Florida State. So, yeah. So, it's, uh, it's, it's been a while. Re- Other really, than Clemson, I want a school outside of the South to win. Wouldn't it? A I mean, championship. Since Ohio State in 2014. Yeah. It's been that. So Clemson is as SEC as it comes, just not in the SEC for now. But um, yeah, you you want more parity in terms of who gets covered in college football? They have to have parity in terms of who's winning national championships. Uh, And speaking of college football, a couple of grades. CBS Sports did uh, grading the new hires. New IU coach Kurt Signetti given a B. Uh, the question mark is, of course, he's 62 years old. Is he ready for the strongest Big Ten in history? Of course, with the addition of Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA, which I would argue only Oregon's the only program that scares me next year because of USC's in disarray and they're losing Caleb Williams. Washington is losing Michael Penix Jr. and Rome Adunza, among others. And UCLA is, yeah, they had a great defense, but their offense was just a mess. And they're not recruiting well, and they are relying on the portal. And Chip Kelly's one more bad year, he gets fired. Well, I think the problem is you're adding four programs that are perennially better than Indiana. Yes. That's the, that's the problem. So you, you're adding depth to the league with four teams that are better than the Hoosiers. Meanwhile, Jared Parker, a new head coach at Troy, former Notre Dame offensive coordinator, lowest grade on this list, a C minus. Uh, Parker in-house choice uh, when Tommy Reese went to Alabama. And again, he had success at Notre Dame, but was terrible during his stint in West Virginia. And Troy is a good program, but this is, he's he's got to prove it here. Yeah, I just... And he's never uh, stayed very long. Eighth stop in, in the last seven. They're putting years. a lot, a lot of stock into the offense for Notre Dame, the numbers. But if you watched enough Notre Dame, you knew that Jared Parker didn't didn't have the pulse of that offense, especially against good teams. Yet somehow, in a way, blessing in disguise for Notre Dame that Troy is hiring Jared Parker, but he didn't get a good nod whatsoever from Dennis Dodd of CBS. 
Coming up on the other side, we'll wrap things up for the week and for the year. Final show of the year and final story. And a the Denver Zoo had a great way to uh, reveal uh, paternity results for an orangutan. That's coming up next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Final time here for the week, for the year. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 46862. Final chance to get your Christmas wishes in. I just put in CK before your message. Uh, Someone else texting in, my Christmas wish came true already when Jared Parker accepted the job at Troy. Maybe Freeman knew the whole time that he was getting interviews and he didn't have to fire him. Thank you, Troy. Go Irish. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, see, that, Troy took care of a big problem for another yes, game, I thought. Yes, absolutely. All right, final story of the week, final story of the year. Mari Povich announces orangutan paternity results for the Denver Zoo. This you is are too the perfect. father. Uh, he's 84, but he hosted Maury Maury, is? Yeah, 84. My goodness. He hosted uh, Mori for 31 years of obviously show famous for You Are the, far, uh, you are the Father or You Are Not the Father uh, segments on the show. And so the Denver Zoo posts a video to Facebook showing Maury bringing into the mystery of which of the zoo's male Sumatran orangutans, 30-year-old Barani or 16-year-old Jaya, fathered four-month-old orangutan Siska. That's phenomenal. Uh, so absolutely outstanding. Good job, Maury. I, that's a guilty pleasure of mine back in the day. If Maury was on, uh, the spicier the story, the better. I'd tune in. That does it for us. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back on January 2nd. Dan Patrick coming up next. The Herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Beat from 3 to 4. And the Sports Rush from 4 to 6. Shannon Griffith filling in for Brett Rump. All here today on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.